Good morning. This worship team sits down. I'd like to uh, take an opportunity to introduce our guest speaker today, Chief Clunas. As you notice, Terrence and I are both wearing ties because he's our boss. <laughs> Sorry, Terrence, I had to take a shot. <laughs> Chief uh, was a young boy, immigrated to Winnipeg, Canada, and as he was growing up, had a strong desire to want to serve Winnipeg. Um, took God's leading and became an officer. And through all of that, um, made it up through the chain of command, as you can see today. Along his journey, one of his uh, calls was to be a chaplain in 1998, I believe. And, and he fell under the tutelage of our own Elf Bell. Chief, I'd like to ask you to come on up. Good morning. My pleasure to be here, and John knows I'm not their boss. I'm the guy who just has to make sure that everything is right for them, serving, making sure that they're happy when they're at work. It's a lot of pressure serving those guys, i got to tell you. I'm not really their boss, but I do appreciate that very much. Thank you very much for the invitation to be here with you. You know, the last number of years, I can say this with all honesty, my first waking thought always is, Thank you, God, for another day. And then I get ready and I get into my car and I'm driving to work as a chief of police. And I know I'm going in to face some significant challenge. It's like that every day. But I'm, thank you, Lord, for this opportunity, this job. Thankful for going in to face challenges. And why do I say thank you for that? Because I know this is exactly where I'm supposed to be at this particular time in my life really is. I get the invitation to come to speak to many different groups, many different organizations, churches, business groups, and, you know, I accept as many of those invitations as I can possibly feel. And depending on the audience, I deliver my message, and it's the same message as about our city and the hope that we have for our city, but I like to deliver the message in a way that the hearers will really get engaged with that message. And so if I'm speaking to a business group, I will say, well, here's what you can do as a business to help impact the city. And sometimes I will look at the purpose, the mission statement of that particular business, and say, okay, here's what your mission statement says, and here's how you can live it out, impact in the city for all of us. And I believe I know what your mission statement is. You just sung about it to some extent, right? Great are you, Lord. And how can people say that unless you actually live out your mission? And if you live out that mission to really impact the city, I think people will be saying that. They'll be shouting that. Now, in my life, I'm trying truly to live that piece out. You also talked about your God story submission form. So this morning, I will be giving you my God story submission form. And you can post it on your website if you so desire. Because I hope the story will help transform the city. That's what we're about. You come here Sunday morning and you get energized. You affirm what you believe. But ultimately, if it's going to be impactful and people are going to say, great are you, Lord, it's because we're going to go out and you're going to use what you believe so fervently, so passionately to help transform our city. That is the only reason why I am standing in the role of chief of police. It's not because I want to police the city. I truly want to transform it. And when I say transform, it doesn't mean we're going to convert everyone to Christianity. That is not the plan. Some people are afraid when I speak as a chief of police, I think I'm on a mission to convert the city. No. 
I'm on a mission to transform the city because when we think about our city, oftentimes here it's spoken about in a very negative sense in terms of crime and social conditions and all of that. So I say I would like to transform that perception of our city and because we believe so passionately, use that passion now to transform the city for all of us. So think about what truly is your purpose. As I said, I get up every day and I go in with a smile on my face knowing I'll be facing challenges. Why? Because I know that's my purpose at this time. And if you know that's your purpose and you're living it out, then you can go into the battle with a smile on your face and also knowing that you're not in that battle on your own. So live it out and see how it will transform our city. So I'm going to share very intimately my story with you, how I arrived at this place, and when I, why I do believe that if we live out our faith passionately, we will transform the city to the betterment of everyone in the city. So I was born in a beautiful little place called Jamaica. Some of you must have been there. But I can guarantee you haven't been to Harmony Vale, Jamaica. That's where I grew up. Tiny little place, no electricity, no running water. I was back there in February. It's still no electricity, no running water. But you could walk to school three miles every day uphill. There were some downhill portions as well. But it was never cold. And we never had to worry about snow, which we had a lot of this year. So I loved it. You know, my grandmother would ensure that every Sunday we were in church. So faith was a consistent part of my life. And it was a wonderful life. Here's a picture of the home I grew up in. It still looks exactly the same way. Very, very humble beginnings. It was September 15th of 1975. Got on an airplane, about a five-hour flight. Landed. At the time, you got right off on the tarmac. And for the first time in my life, I had a sensation I had never experienced before, September 15, 1975. Get off the airplane, it's like, what is that? <laughs> we have never been cold. When I try to explain to a Jamaican living in Harmony Vale what cold means, they have no concept what it means to be cold. So you can imagine, little boy and my, myself and my sister at the time, cold, wow, what is that sensation? But that wasn't the most difficult part of the transition. Imagine one day sitting in a classroom, in a community where you walk around, you look around, everyone looks like you, you're very comfortable in your environment. You get in an airplane, you fly for a few hours, two days later you're sitting in a classroom and you look around and for the first time in your life you realize there's something different about you. You're 11 years old, never mind the cold that you're dealing with, what else is going on? No one fully prepared you for that. And then you get into the education system, which is also very challenging, because you're coming from a third world education system to one here. Do you think that's difficult for a little boy dealing with all those things? Yes, and so for the first year, I failed grade six. I like to tell this part of the story because it's really important for all, us, all of us to realize the impact that one individual can have on a life, and particularly for any teachers who might be in the audience, the potential you have. So I failed grade six, and I remember sitting with my mother who was working two jobs seven days a week just to ensure that we had the basic necessities. And they said, we can put Devon ahead in the class for slow learners, or he can spend another year in grade six. Which little boy would want to spend another year in grade six? I remember this so crystal clear that in my head something was saying, Devon, the right decision for you is to spend another year in grade six, even though it would be embarrassing and all those things. That's the right thing. I always look back at that moment and say that was a God moment in my life because which little boy would have such a clear thought at that time? But here's what really made the decision easy. It was my teacher, 
Mrs. Anna said, Devon, if you come to school an hour early every day, I will meet you and I'll help you. Why would she care about this little boy? There were no other little boys like me in the class. But she said, if you come to school an hour early, which little boy would decide to get up an hour early to go meet a teacher? But this little boy did. And after about six months, I remember her saying, Devon, this is so easy for you. School became very easy, very dedicated to it. Grade nine, top, two, the top student in the school. Because one person decided, I'm going to invest a little bit in your life. One person. How many individuals do we have here who can say, I'm going to invest a little in a life? Grew up in the North End. Lots of opportunities to find myself in the wrong thing, right? People will say. As police officers, we know that the North End, inner city, is some of the most challenged in terms of crime, social challenges, all of that. I stayed out of trouble, though, for two reasons. First was, I remember where I was coming from. A land, yes, it's beautiful and it's warm, and people would wonder, why would you leave Jamaica to come to Winnipeg? Yes, it's warm, but when you don't have the basic necessities, it's not so beautiful. So here I was in a land of opportunity, so I must do something with the opportunity provided. Second reason was I stayed out of trouble. My mom did say very clearly, if you get in trouble with the police, I will kill you. <laughs> yep. So we were good. We stayed out of trouble. Did not want any of that. <laughs> But you know what, she was working so hard, I just, I just couldn't see myself getting into trouble. I remember as a young boy growing up in the North End thinking, I need to do something positive, but also every time I would watch television, bad guys often look like me. But I thought, that's not true. Just because of what you look like or where you're coming from does not mean that you have to feed a certain stereotype. So I must do something with my future that will set an example to kids coming behind me that you don't have to feed a stereotype. Played basketball, was a good basketball player. Still, I'm a pretty good basketball player. And also part of that was stay out of trouble, be on the team, kept you on the straight and narrow, so to speak. Went to UAW, thought I was going to become a biologist, was majoring in biology. At the same time, I had a part-time job at the Bay downtown. And in that job, I was working in security. You know, in time, somebody would take something from the store, leave. They would run, I get to chase them. And I just remember, I just love that. I love chasing people. <laughs> Growing up in the North End, any time I would see a police officer, we would go the other way. We weren't doing anything bad, but just because of the stereotype we saw on television, I would go the other way. Doing the job at the Bay was the first time I had the opportunity to sit face-to-face -face with a police officer. And I told him how much I loved this, chasing people. And it was a police officer who just encouraged me. A police officer said, Devon, if you like this so much, why don't you consider becoming a police officer? I had never seen a police officer in the city who looked like me. So I thought that would be perfect. I'd get the chance to do something for the beautiful country, city who's given me so much, but also set an example for the kids coming behind me. All these things seem to be falling in place. Is it just my master plan? Absolutely not. Became a police officer, and I have to tell you, I just love chasing people. <laughs> it really was fantastic. Anytime somebody would run, it'd be like, this is why I became a police officer. <laughs> and I just love to chase, and I'd be yelling at people, I'm going to catch you because I will never give up. Every single person I ever chased, I caught. Never lost a chase. But then something else started to happen. You know, walking Main Street and I was seeing people in really destitute conditions. And I'm thinking, is this what the purpose is? You're having the biggest impact you can? And I would spend time talking with these people. And you could just see the recognition on some people's face that somebody's actually talking to me. And then people would say, like, why are you doing that? 
And I don't preach at people, but when they ask me a question, I give an honest response. I would say, you know, I think that's what God would have me do. To see people in that condition and just leave them in that condition, I don't think that's what he'd have me do. So wherever I can, try to have an impact. To this day, one of the proudest moments in my career has been receiving a telephone call from a young lady. I was still a uniform officer at the time. She said, I don't know if you remember me, but I am calling you from Calgary. I just want to let you know that what you had to say made a difference, and I am back home with my family, and everything is going really well. A young lady who was out just prostituting herself because somebody dedicated a little time. Mrs. Anna dedicated some time to me. So I dedicated some time, and it changed the course of her future. And so all of a sudden, I found that I lost my love of chasing bad guys. I really did. The reason why I became a police officer suddenly meant nothing to me. It's like, you need to do something to change the course of people's destiny, their future. You have an opportunity to do that. So I left what we call regular general patrol policing, and I became a school resource officer. Not too many of us become police officers to become school resource officers. It means you're going to schools and spending all this time talking with kids. I love kids. They're fantastic. They are the future. Or I'm going to community groups, and I'm talking with parents and saying, well, maybe this is what you need to do to help keep your young one in a straight and narrow. This is how you can improve the community. Those sorts of things. Because there is where I saw we have the potential to have real big impact. And I did that. To this point in my career, it's the longest time I spent in any one area, five years. I mean, I have adults now who come up to me and say, I remember when you came to my school. I have officers who became officers. They said, because you came to my school. And the impact it had. I never once thought about ever having a promotion. I remember driving to one of my schools in 1998. And again, I was just truly trying to live my faith at work. Never, ever preaching at people. But just saying, you know, every decision I make, the things I do, I will have to live my life, my career as if Jesus is right here beside me. That's all there is to it. So everything will be done with the utmost integrity because this is how I'm supposed to live my life. Having the opportunity to make an impact. I was driving to one school in 1998. Carolina just crashed on the East Coast. And I'm listening to the radio and people were calling in saying there cannot be a God. What kind of a God would allow something like this to happen? And right there in my vehicle I had a prayer, simple prayer. I said, God, I wish one day you'd put me in a place in the police service where I'd have the opportunity to stand up and tell people there is a God who cares for them. And right now he's weeping with all those who have lost their loved ones. Three weeks later, I am walking through headquarters. One of our staff sergeants, who I had never met before, approaches me and said, Devon, we're considering starting a chaplaincy program. Would you consider becoming one of our police chaplains? Just by chance, you think? I don't think so. So I said yes, and I became a police chaplain, had the opportunity to serve our members in some very difficult situations. You know, members who have lost loved ones, officers who have died. Also had the opportunity to officiate Happy events, like weddings and baby dedications, all of those. Nobody joins the police service and becomes a school resource officer and a chaplain if you dream of being the chief of police. Those are not the areas that typically will take you there. I was not interested in being the chief of police, but I was interested in being exactly where God wants me to be. So I became a school resource officer and a chaplain for those reasons. Never once thought about a promotion. But in 2002, I was really fortunate to receive my first promotion. Mr. Sidarius will back me up on this piece. And typically when people get promoted, we might say, oh, I want to go here, I want to go there, I want to go there. It's not that true. That's true, but nod his head. 
When I got that promotion, I said, you know, I'm here to serve. It doesn't matter to me where you put me. The little boy from Jamaica who grew up with no electricity, no running water, failed grade six, became a police officer, and I received a promotion. What right have I to demand anything? I'm beyond blessed. I'm here to serve. And so they put me to serve in a place called Organizational Development and Support. Again, not typically the place that people would think you would go to if you want to be the chief of police. But it gave me a great opportunity to work very closely with our executive at the time. And then I saw the importance of good leadership behind the face of the organization who's there serving the people, that if we create the right environment for the members, they can now go out and give their very best to the community. And so my mindset in terms of leadership always was, I am not there as the boss, but I'm there to serve all the members. I'm there to serve the people under my direct leadership to ensure the right environment is there so they can now go out and serve the public, given their very best. Something very integral about that. Then I received my second promotion in 2004. Wow, I'm beyond thrilled. Like, I cannot believe this. 2007, my third promotion to inspector. Then all of a sudden, as the inspector, I'm sitting in what's called our duty office, and I have responsibility for the entire city. Aren't I just the smartest guy? No. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying I sat there and I realized you have an immense amount of responsibility. You better pray for wisdom because you have to make decisions in a split second that others will have months and years to adjudicate and decide whether or not you made the right decision in a split second. So I pray every day for the wisdom to be able to make those decisions. Shortly thereafter, I had the opportunity to lead an entire division of 200-plus people. I walked into that area with the same mindset. I'm here to serve all these people. I am not the boss of anyone. And every day before I went out and started to do my work, we would, I would pray that the things I do would be about the people first, taking care of them, living those godly principles. And it was amazing. Every area that I was given the opportunity to lead, we had success. And then people would ask me, they'd say, Devon, like, what are you doing? This is the critical part. Because if anyone here, you had read this fabulous book, and somebody would ask you, where'd you get those great ideas? What are you doing? You'd say, I got to tell you about this amazing book. So when people would ask me, like, what are you doing? I have to be honest. My simple answer was, you know what? I'm praying there. Because I was doing a lot of that. Certainly, I didn't just go to my office and sit there 10 hours a day and pray. It's not what I'm saying. But I start that way, because I do believe that. And then I go out and I try to live what I'm praying for, those principles. And so that's what I was doing. And I was not ashamed to tell people, this is what I'm doing. And I'm praying for people that the right things would happen. And so then I received another promotion to superintendent. I, didn't, I wasn't pursuing it. Remember, as I told you, don't become a chaplain, school resource officer, go to ODS and all these places, great places. He's working there right now. ODS is a fantastic place. If you desire to be chief. But if you're living your principles and you're putting God first, I think he takes care of the rest for you. If you're living your principles and you're putting the people first, everywhere I went there was some significant operational challenges, but I focused on taking care of the people first. And it was amazing what happened. They take care of all the operational challenges for you. Now, I am a superintendent, and I get to run four divisions, 400 people. Same philosophy. Hasn't changed. I'm here to take care of the people, those principles I will live. And so now, let's fast forward. 24 years as a police officer. I'm thinking my life has been fantastic. Thank you, Lord. I am ready to retire. 
I spent December 2011 in Port St. Lucie, Florida. On every day I would get up and I would prayerfully say, Lord, Devon Clunis wants to retire. He wants to hang out in Florida. It's a beautiful place to be. And I remember very succinctly, very clearly the day that it hit me. I remember walking to my wife and saying, I cannot believe this. God is saying I'm supposed to go back to Winnipeg and continue being a police officer. But that's what I'll do if that's what God says. And I came back. At this point, I'm one of the seven highest-ranking members in the organization. And I started meeting with each one on the executive and said, I think we can be this for the city. I don't like this just police in the city, but we can be the catalyst to amazing change taking place in our city. We need to be more than just police. The chief was away. He was the last person I was going to speak with, and he came back and he announced that he was going to retire. So then I asked God the next question, is this what you desire for me to do? He said, I'll apply, and if I don't get it, then we'll know, and I can retire. It's going to be great. I applied, and nine months later, I was the chief of police in the city of Winnipeg. Here is our dubious distinction. You always hear about Winnipeg having a high violent crime rate, poverty rate, socially challenged, all those things. But let me tell you this. We live in a fantastic city. We really do. I always wish that every Winnipegger, every Canadian could spend a period of time in a third world country, come back and realize just what a fabulous place we live in. Every time I travel, I'm thrilled to come back to the city of Winnipeg. It is a great place to be. But you know what? We haven't even begun to reach our potential as a city. We haven't. We have not. We have an amazing potential. Every single person here has a part to play in that potential. And as a chief of police, I say the organization, the Winnipeg Police Service, can be a catalyst to some amazing things happening in our city. And that's my vision. I say, this is who we can be in terms of transforming our city. City of compassion. Compassion? Caring? People are surprised when a chief would use those words. But do you think it would impact crime if people just become a little more connected again? And people actually started caring about one another? I'm not saying that we're going to go out and hug all the criminals. That's not what I'm saying. Some people think, oh, he's saying talking about hugging a thug. No, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying, if we got to know our neighbors, right, would that cause a change in the culture of communities? I think it would be radical. A city of hope. Now, I was just back in Jamaica, and I know so many people who just desire to be anywhere in Canada, in Winnipeg, because they see hope there. That's why people move here. But if we start living that, imagine if Mrs. Hannah did not spend some time with that little Devon. Do you think he'd be experienced and live in the hope that he has now? Every one of us has that capacity to do that. One of Canada's safest cities. I'm standing firm here today and telling you, that is my desire. But I can't do it myself. Winnipeg Police Service can't do it by themselves. But if everybody starts to play a part, it is achievable. It will be achieved. That's what it's about. And when you look at this city, it's one of the most diverse cities you'll find on the planet. But everyone has to have the opportunity to be successful. Otherwise, what should be our greatest strength will become a weakness. So we want to be a city of nations who are all thriving together. We, though, all have a part to play in that, because if Mrs. Hannah just looked at the little immigrant boy and didn't really care, where would he be? But imagine if each of us look around the room and say, okay, we see everyone here in our diversity, and we want to bring equity, and we have a part to play in that. It would be an amazing place. 
So when I became chief of police, I made a statement that says that we will change the way we police the city. It won't just be about dealing with crime, but I want to work about crime prevention through social development, social equity. Is that the police's responsibility? Ah, we won't own everything, but I'm saying we are the catalyst to the change because we see the symptoms on an ongoing basis. I sit and I listen day after day as officers come and report what's taking place in our city. And I'm saying, yes, it may not necessarily be a police problem, but we have to shine a light on it and say we as a community have to address these issues. So when I was asked very early in my tenure by an audience such as yourself, what can we do, Chief, to impact our city? Here's what I said. I said, what would happen if all, I'm talking about all religious stripes here, I'm not selecting out anyone because everybody has a part to play, started praying for the peace of our city. I know you've been praying for us. Thank you. It is much appreciated, and I think it is having an impact. But started praying for the peace of our city and then put some action behind that. What do you think would happen? What do you think if you decide that tomorrow, what you sung about, what you pray about here, you're not just simply going to wait to see it happen, but you're going to go out and actually help make it happen? What if every other church, every other religious institution in our city started doing that on behalf of the city as a whole? Do you see the amazing power there would be in that? I do believe something phenomenal is going to happen in our city. When I look at my life, and I know none of this has been just by chance, there's far too many good things that happen in my life simply for it to be chance to get to this place. Impossible. What would happen? Well, here's what mainstream media had to say about it at the time. No prayer. Winnipeg doesn't have a prayer. Do you know who can respond to that, though? All of you. Because I could get up and say, yes, they do, but what if all of you say no, and you've said it, you're praying? Do you know that every single day in 2014, there's a church committed to praying for the Winnipeg police and for our city? Does Winnipeg have a prayer? Oh, absolutely, Winnipeg has a prayer. Are we going to see great things happen? I believe that. Actually, I can tell you we're already seeing great things happening. But there's something really critical I want you to understand. Because when I was asked and challenged on that, it would have been easy as a new chief to say, oh, you know what, uh, a lack of media, political savvy, I'm sorry I said that. No. Stood firm. That's what I said. That's what I believe. And I'm not shying back from that. We need to be able to know that we have strong foundation to stand on. Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedom says this, whereas Canada is founded upon the principles that recognize the supremacy of God and the rule of law. You know, this is the foundation of our country? It is. Supremacy of God, rule of law. So I think you would have been happy to hear a guy who's supposed to uphold the law saying, I believe in God, according to the Constitution. I mean, that you think would be the ideal. But then every single one of us, every single one has this fundamental right. Freedom of conscience and religion. Freedom to believe, freedom not to believe. Actually, on equal footing. No one supersedes the other. So you have a right to believe, but people also have a right not to and should be respected for that and upheld for that. And we need to work on behalf of the entire community. And then every time we sing, oh, Canada, God keep our land glorious and free. It does not say, Devon, keep the land glorious and free or any other person in police work. That's what we sing every single time. Sung it many times recently at the Winter Olympics, proudly every time. So we shouldn't be offended when 
the guy who's supposed to uphold the law says he believes in everything that's foundational to the nation. Here's the facts. 75% of Canadians still claim some religious affiliation, so we shouldn't be surprised if somebody says, I believe in God. Nor should we be ashamed to say, I believe in God. We really shouldn't, if that drives you to do these amazing good things for the community. I received just this avalanche of emails and regular letters, but the one that stands out the most to me was walking down the street and a gentleman approaches me and said, Chief, I want you to know I'm an atheist, but I believe in what you said. Use what you believe to the betterment of the city, to transform the city. Because he understood, I'm not on a mission to convert, but I'm on a mission to transform the city, to make it the best place it can be for all of us in our diversity. And so I was really thrilled one year later, almost one year, where the same media had this headline. Prayers answered, crime drops in our city. Last year, crime dropped by 13.4% in our city. People are listening, people are responding. Yes, you're praying, but people are actually putting action behind those prayers, getting reconnected. So what would happen in the city of Winnipeg if we just started really living authentic faith? Again, hear me clearly. I'm not talking about going out and preaching at people. In my entire career, and I have two witnesses here today, that's what I need, they can say, I've never gone out and preached and trying to convert a single police officer. But I've cared about them passionately, differently, because of what I believe. Even when I have to deal with those really difficult situations, you know, I remember that they're people first. And so I deal with them in a compassionate way. Why? Because that's what God does for us. He doesn't always give us what we deserve. There's a great deal of compassion. So that is how I go about doing my job. I really like Esther because I, in Esther's situation, you saw that she took every risk. Didn't know how the king would respond, but saying, I am here for a time as this. Okay, Devon Clunis arrived at the position of chief of police not because of Devon's master plan. And maybe I don't see the entire picture right now, but I believe this is where I'm supposed to be right now and this is what we're supposed to be doing. And I do know that if people truly, passionately live out what they believe, it will transform our city. It will be an amazing place for us to be. One of the safest, most unified cities in the world. If anyone has the opportunity to teach the world how to live in safety and harmony, it's the city of Winnipeg because we have the entire world right here at our doorsteps. We can do this in the city of Winnipeg. If we live it out truly with authentic faith, you'll see transformation take place in the city of Winnipeg. So I say for me, transformation is all about right now. It's not about waiting for, okay, give it some time, spend a couple more months, a couple more years. People keep putting off and putting off. No, it is right now. We are here for such a time as this. Every single one of you sitting here, I know how I am. I think if you look back on your journey to wherever you are right now, I think you'll find that, yes, you are here, and this is the time. I said very clearly, if we do not act right now, there's a window of opportunity. We will either work to impact the future of the city in a positive way, or we'll set it back significantly. So I won't wait. I will not squander opportunities. We're here for such a time as this. Work with a purpose. What is your purpose? If you understand what your purpose is, and you decide daily you're going to drive off it passionately. I get up when I go in knowing I'll be dealing with challenges because I know that's my purpose now. And it's not about me. In Joshua's case, 
All God asks him to do is what? Be strong and courageous. Take care of the rest. Just get up and go in today. Yes, it's going to be challenging, but just be strong and courageous, and then we'll see what God will do. Let's be authentic. Have a godly resolve and maintain that. So my purpose as a chief of police is simply to transform the community culture of our city. And here is what I mean by that. Sometimes you'll hear a news report about something tragic that's occurred in one part of our city, and I think it's easy for us as human beings to say, well, I'm glad I'm not there. You heard the report, and we forget about it. But is that the way that we're supposed to be? I say no. So we have to care about what's going on in this part of the city. Yes, we may not live there. You don't even have to commute there. But if one part of the city is hurting, all of us should be hurting. That is definitely a biblical principle. One part of body is injured. We don't just say, well, it's just my finger, so let's not worry about it. You care about it, and you bring that sense of equity. I say some areas of our city are so socially depressed, we all should be concerned about that. Because it's that social depression that drives what we call crime. And if all we want to do is deal with the symptom, we'll never really get to a cure, will we? If anybody here was sick and you went to your doctor and you said, these are the symptoms I'm experiencing, and the doctor says, oh, we're just going to deal with the symptom, you would not be happy. As a chief of police, if all I tried to deal with was just a symptom that we're seeing, which is crime, and don't look at the root cause, which are all these social determinants, I don't think that's the best way for us to operate. So I said we need to care, because we actually have the medicine for some of these socially depressed areas. And then you see the transformation take place in our city. Now, it's also important to realize that this is not just Devon Clunis's perspective. You know, I've had the opportunity to travel some significant police conferences, speaking with leaders who have been in this business much longer than myself, and consistently I hear this message. They say, we have actually gotten it wrong the last two, three decades. We thought we could police crime away. We can't police crime away. We have to deal with the social causes. And then when you speak with academia who researches this stuff on an ongoing basis, they said, yes, you have it right. We can't just talk about putting more police officers on the road. Communities have to get reconnected again, and we have to deal with those social issues. You can't say we're simply going to leave it to government. Who has a better ability and a better drive and purpose and force to address these issues? If not the church and faith-based organizations, who do? Because our purpose is to make a difference wherever God has us. You have the ability to do that. And then that culture of safety that we create, it impacts everyone. So as I'm saying, we're not selecting anyone out. But use what you believe, what you know is the core of who we are, to do this. Right now, my bride is in Florida. She's been there since December. Why is Devon Clunis here? when his bride is in, this, in Florida. Because right now, this is a drive of what I'm supposed to be doing. I'll be going there to see her on Tuesday. Don't feel so bad for me. <laughs> but I'm saying, it is my purpose. This is my part to play right now. Find your purpose and pursue it, knowing that God has you where you need to be. So your role then in transformation is this. Let us start what we talked about prayer. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, seek my face, What's going to happen in our city? Do you think we need healing in our city? Absolutely. I said some areas are incredibly depressed. 
we need to bring equity, social opportunities. If Mississauga didn't invest, where would the little boy be right now? Imagine if everybody said, yes, we're going to start invest. You're going to pray, but you're also going to follow it up with action. Action is this for me. Adopt that radical community perspective. Yes, it's not just us over here in our area. It is the city as a whole. You know, every time I return to Winnipeg and I fly over to see, I just get the sense of, all you see is oneness, right? This is our city. I feel a real, sincere, heartfelt responsibility for the entire city. I don't see one area. I see this is our city. And so I have a responsibility to ensure that no matter where you live in the city of Winnipeg, that you can step outside your door and you should feel safe. That you can send your children to the playground and you should feel safe. Everyone in our city deserves that. Could you imagine what would happen when we all just own that, saying that, yes, I have a responsibility to ensure the kids over there in that part of the city are safe as my kids are. That we all have that equity of opportunities. We are indeed our brothers and our sisters keepers. You know, when, when I became chief, we didn't just sit in my boardroom and say, here's what we'll be doing for each part of the city. I went around and I consulted with members across the entire city, community forums. And what I heard from people in those areas that you would consider to be really socially challenged right now was that they weren't asking for more money. They were asking for programs. One gentleman actually stood up and said, what we need are parenting programs. Do you think anybody here has the capacity, the ability, the knowledge to help with that? Some organizations in those areas say, here's what we need. We just need volunteers. We have the programs. We just need people to come and assist. People talk about simple things like, we just need somebody to help us like, clean up the neighborhood. None of this, none of these are things that we can't, as individuals or organizations, help to provide. Right? Help people in that manner. I tell churches, adopt a block around your facility. The snow will melt. I guarantee you that. You can call me on that. The snow will melt. And so when the snow melts, say, we won't wait for somebody else to come and clean it up. What if we just said, we will be responsible for that? And if we realize there are people in need around this block, that we as an organization or individual will try to help meet those needs. People say, why are you doing that? Just be honest with them. That's what we're called to do because of what we believe. That is your purpose. When people ask me, why are you doing the job the way you're doing it, Devon? I believe that's what I am called to do, and that's why. Partner with another church. Okay, you might say, okay, fine, I don't know what to do, but partner with another church. There's so many different organizations in these parts of the city who simply want somebody else to come in and partner with them. Give to charities. And then on January 13th this year, we launched the Winnipeg Police Service Endowment Fund. Here's what we do with that fund. And the churches were the first to give to that fund, I have to let you know, to get it started. But that fund will be used to simply funnel right back into the community. It's not about police operations. It's about organizations in the community or individuals who want to do something to help bring that sense of equity, build up a community that we will, on an ongoing basis, support. So I want to leave you with this piece. And it's really simple at the end of the day. It's what I've tried to do my whole life over my career, simply, I know what I believe. Just simply go out and live out what we believe. Pray about it by all means, but then determine that you're going to be the answer to that prayer. Work to transform our city then by your prayers 
and with your actions. And watch what's going to take place in the city of Winnipeg. Thank you very much. Thank <laughs> you.